0: Hey, listeners of the Last Looks podcast. I just wanted to say a quick thank you for all your support over the last three seasons. I'll be honest, if no one was listening, I totally would have given up. Um, And of course, a massive shout out to our incredibly talented guests. Thank you for your time, your knowledge and sharing your journey with us all. It's been amazing. Um, A quick note about the podcast moving forward. We will be releasing new episodes every two weeks this year instead of weekly starting January 25th. Um, I wish I could commit to weekly, but alas, you know how it goes when you're working on set. It will just become too much. I hate to say it, but it's true. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in and remember to review the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you like the podcast, share it. Now, let's get on with the show.
1: And now, our feature presentation.
0: Today, I'm speaking with Mark Pilcher, the makeup and hair designer for the Netflix series Everyone's Talking About, Bridgerton. If you have seen the show, then you probably have a pretty good idea of what we're going to be chatting about. And if you haven't binged it yet, what are you waiting for? Binge it, smash it out, watch it, enjoy it, love it, pause it to check out the hairstyles, and then come back and listen to this episode.
1: Pictures up. Last looks. Rolling. And...
0: Welcome to The Last Looks Podcast, Mark. It's lovely to meet
1: you. Happy New Year.
0: Yeah, you too. (laughs) Now, you are a makeup and hair designer for the Netflix series Bridgerton. For those that have not seen it yet, be sure to check it out. It is a beautiful sight indeed. Everything from the costumes and sets to the drama. And the reason we're here today, the makeup and the hair. So, Mark, I wanted to start at the very beginning Tell me, how did you become involved in the project?
1: My agent had, had sort of put my details forward, but not heard anything back. And then a, a colleague of mine was, be, um, because of the way British and set up, because with the crowd of the Society talk, what they wanted, which is quite unusual with a, a piece like, well, with any piece really, to employ a crowd room where you're, your essays come with you for whatever you do, because they wanted it to be the same debutants and the same suitors, et cetera, et cetera, the same mamas. So they they, were, they basically kind of auditioned all the crowd in advance so that they could bring them with us. And a colleague wow. of mine was asked to go and do some looks with the crowd because she knew the, the crowd A.D., and at the time they didn't have a makeup designer. They'd had trouble finding someone. And mm. she basically recommended you know, put my name forward. And yeah. it just so happened that nearly everyone that in costume that was involved in these fittings I'd worked with on my last two jobs and they, and they, so they all went, Oh no, you've got to have Mark. You've got to have Mark. So, uh, you know, I didn't know the costume designer Ellen before this. So they put my name forward to her and and she looked at my website and and loved my work. And and it kind of went from there really. So it was, it came, came from totally out of the blue.
0: That's amazing. And I guess a few people dropped your name so they must have kept hearing it and going I think we need to speak to this Mark Pilcher.
1: (laughs) Sure yeah.
0: It's amazing so how long did it shoot for and where were you guys filming? I think it was about nine months
1: with with prep and and the way it worked out I think because what happened was because it it, it ended up starting later than it was supposed to Mm -hmm. so I think originally in each block we were supposed to do location studio location studio and because we started later and the pieces set in the summer you know the the, the mm. society ton of the summer they needed to get everything done in advance so we ended up doing all the location stuff first so we were in bath york salisbury we went up to the beautiful cast, castle howard up in york various stately homes around london you know all, all those beautiful locations mm. that you see in, in film so we did we did all that up until uh, just before Christmas and then after christmas we went back and and did all the studio stuff these amazing sets built by Will Hughes Jones yeah. absolutely breathtaking sets yeah
0: amazing yeah absolutely and how much prep did you get before filming started
1: i had i think Six weeks prep. Didn't
0: feel like enough, I'm sure.
1: No, (laughs) it it never does. It never does. And, you know, and of course, later on, we hadn't come up with the idea at the beginning of prep with Mm. the Queen. It was a much later thing that we sort of decided that – because she didn't really have anything else left in her life. You know, she's basically waiting for her husband to die. You know, all she does is sit around the house and play with, you know, her dogs. And so we just came up with this idea that because she's so bored, um, Mm -hmm. every time you see her in a new dress, that she would have a new wig. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if we'd have thought about that before, hand we could have had a lot more prep or yeah. we could have had you know at least some more ideas but um, because we only came up with that idea once we'd started filming we then had to sort of prep her wigs as we went along which was you know a huge add-on to already our filming days
0: yeah but i think you pulled it off <laughs> I,
1: think <laughs> I, you did, so. I
0: think you did okay <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing so going back to what you said earlier about like doing the fittings and everything with your crowd and you know making yeah. sure that they had people returning that's amazing and i guess gives you also the opportunity to be able to know who's coming in daily to be able to design and get their looks sorted out in advance is it is yes that right?
1: yeah for sure yeah yeah, I mean, there's one particular guy, I, I posted some pictures of him on Instagram the other day, who in the first week of fittings, this amazing uh, looking black guy, just, you know, some people just have a look that you, when you meet them, you go, I need to see you on camera. Mm. So I devised a look for him and made by hand all these beautiful dreadlocks I call them dreadlocks. I think that the, the term you should use is, is locks.
0: I, I um, absolutely know who you're talking about because he definitely caught my eye and I was just like, wow, that is cool. He looked awesome.
1: <laughs> well, I just wanted them to, uh, yeah, I just wanted him to stand out. and So I created this look and then on the first day of filming said so to the, the ADs, I said, can we make sure that we see Andre in shot? And, and boy, did we see him in shot. Interestingly enough, when I put this thing up on Instagram, a friend of mine put a comment saying, Oh my God, we totally know you know, this guy. She said me and me and my sister watched it and we we ended up playing like Where's Wally? As you know, <laughs> where, 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 because they could spot him in every every they were like, Oh there he is
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think at first I was like, are those locks? And then you'd see them again and go, they are. And then you'd look again yeah. and you'd be like, I want a closer look at the detail on that. They look so cool. And I did actually see your Instagram post to be able to have a better look at them. And it's very
1: cool. And also I wanted to, to sort of introduce the sort of bleached, sort of beach, it's almost surfery looking ends, just to give them definitions. So you would really spot them. And, you know, along with the gold cuffs as well. Although Absolutely. I don't know if costume were always happy with me for, for doing that because obviously they have been fitted with quite a few tight tight hats you know like lovely top hats and sometimes dougie from uh. costume we, we can't get those we can't get the, the hats on <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, I was really lucky to have a core team in the crowd room, which was kind of, you know, quite often on a film, you're allowed, you know, two or three core people, but we had, mm. um, I think, six or seven, which wow. was amazing, because I don't think we could have done it without you needed those people that were there all the time, because they were constantly, you know, building, making, making pieces for, you know, and doing fittings for the next, the next um, location. So, uh, you know, I was really lucky to have such a great team there.
0: Absolutely. I mean on your bigger crowd days, how many people would you have with you? I
1: think we probably at the most probably had about 50 in the crowd. Wow. There could be, I mean, I didn't book with, I wasn't booking the numbers those days, so there mm. could have been more than that, but I would say about 50 probably at most. Yeah. And is
0: everyone doing hair and makeup or does it get a little separated?
1: Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you have a mixture. Sometimes, you know, it's really good to have people that do both, but sometimes, as well, for timing, time wise, mm. it's good to have somebody, you know, where they could have their hair prepped or set, then go to makeup, then go to costume. It, I always think it's really good to have a real mixture of abilities in the crowd room.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, if you had six kind of full time crowd artists with you, how many mm-hmm. were on your team looking after main cast?
1: There were eight of us full time, but then we pretty much nearly always had two or three extra because Mm. because of the sheer volume of the work. I mean, some some mornings when we had our big days, if I had, say, six actors in, I would Mm. start at 530 and I would finish my last makeup at midday without (laughs) breakfast. You know, so, you know, and if and if two or three of you are doing that. You need somebody mm. to go and look after the the guys that have already gone to set. So yeah. we were lucky enough to to always have a few extra people to to help out. Yeah. So generally, I would say there were about probably about ten ten to twelve of us on the main bus.
0: Wow, that's amazing! And mm. what are you looking for when you're putting a crew together for a job like Bridgerton?
1: I suppose, like any designer, abilities for your for whatever the, you know you pick people that like like you were saying you know you not everyone does both so Mm -hmm. if I have somebody on the team that mainly does hair then you need somebody who can be who can who can probably do both but do but do the makeups for say Adam who, who does the Queen's wigs he only does hair So what I did a lot of the time was I doubled him up with Claire, who does both. And what I did was she did certain people like uh, Lady Violet and Genevieve and did both, both the hair and makeup on them. But the rest of the time she would just do the makeups for Adam.
0: That's awesome. So just, yeah, figuring out who can fit in where and look after who. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, needing some talented hands in there because the work you guys were producing was amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, had you worked with everybody before, or
1: yes, I always like to. I only like to work with people I've at least worked with once before, mm. because I I always find the makeup truck. It's almost like for the actors. It's almost not like going to a spa. It's the one place they go to before set it's very you become very close with your actors you know w- you know we touch obviously pre covid we touch their skin and you know and it's the one place where there's always going to be like tears or or something like that and it has to be i like to have a really sort of zen kind of happy room so mm. i i always prefer to work with people that i've worked with before so that i know you know, who they
0: are. Yeah, I think it's it's having people who have a, a good temperament and and just vibe as well as the talent, right? I mean you yes. need a good yeah. a good balance. Yeah.
1: Well because I think on a long job like this you become mm. you become a family basically you're away together for you know I mean 9 months and like I said the first part we were always on location so you literally are away from home so yeah it's I just like to create that family atmosphere and just just a fun happy atmosphere as well I mean yeah. I my dog came on, you know, we had my dog on the bus. He was, made, he, well, he was a puppy at the beginning mm. of the job. So he yeah. came along and became the show's mascot. And he used to sit <laughs> on the guy's laps while they were being made up. And so, oh, yeah.
0: That's awesome. I love hearing that. I think that family vibe and everyone getting on, it just helps the cast as well. If they're walking into a, a happy environment totally. first, first thing in the morning, it just, it starts their day off right, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I had really good uh, juniors and trainees as well. I don't like departments where all the trainees and juniors, all they get to do is the paperwork. You know, Mm -hmm. I like them to at least um, look after two or three people. So, and, you know, because I've worked with them before, I knew their abilities. So all my juniors and trainees made up certain actors. And you know, which was great, it's great for them to just to, to, you know, start their careers off and, and be able to see that they were part of the part of the production and see how great their work is. So that was brilliant for me, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. It gives them that thirst to kind of keep going and do better. And yes. yeah. I think it's awesome.
1: Yeah. So many trainees become so brilliant at the paperwork and the computer mm-hmm. stuff and then they become so invaluable, but then so then people think, Oh, well I'll just keep Keep them doing that, then they become secretaries, you know, rather than makeup right. artists. So it's good yeah. to make sure they get their, you know, hands in, you know, early on.
0: It's not what they signed up for. <laughs> no. like, I don't want to do
1: this forever. <laughs> No. <laughs>
0: but then you end up going back to that when you start um, heading the departments design and designing. You've got to do a bit of. <laughs> Yeah. go back and do a bit of paperwork. <laughs> so when you started the design process, did you already mm-hmm. know that you would have a little more creative freedom with the project? Like it's, it's that realm of fact and fantasy. And I mean, were there certain guides that you had as far as the Julia Quinn books, like which the series was based?
1: I mean, I hadn't actually read the books. So I, I only read the script. I, I haven't read, read the books, but there were, Yeah, I know when I, st- when I started into it, that Costume, we're talking quite heavily about a fashion-y side to it. Mm -hmm. But the producers were always, you know, it must be period, it must be period as well. So I, you know, it's that thing of trying to balance the two. And although I don't think we necessarily did a fashion or or certainly not a modern high, you know, fashion look, but what Mm -hmm. I try to do when I start the fittings, you know, you do your research, you look at your books and your paintings at the time. And I always like to draw from my, Just my knowledge of of Mm. old movies. And so I would go to the early fittings and say characters like Lady Featherington. In the fitting, her costumes, even though they were of the Regency style, they were quite Mm. clearly heavily influenced by 1950s. I know Ellen had been to the Christian Dior exhibition at the V&A at the time. So, Mm. you know, all those big floral prints and the necklines are all very 50s. So obviously, I was like, well, I'm going to keep it, obviously, Regency. But if Mm -hmm. if she's going to have a 50s feel, then I want to give her a slightly 50s look. So I then decided that she would be like a redheaded Elizabeth Taylor, sort of Deborah Carr character. So although Mm -hmm. we kept the silhouette of the Regency style and and the, the main shape of it, I gave her this very sort of 1950s fringe at the front just to to sort of tie in with the costumes I thought I always think it looks strange if her costumes looked 50s but we made Mm. her look totally Regency so that it's it's really nice because it gives you the balance and it gives you the idea to just to just not make it look like every other thing you've seen before you just put your little mark on it and and you know just make it a little different some people will like that some people will hate it but you know it, it just that things like that evolve you know and then if the, if the actors like it and the producers and everyone else then you know you're onto a winner basically
0: yeah absolutely and it must be nice to to kind of have something to jump off something to bounce off and that being the costume designer kind of putting that first little mark in there for you yes. to then kind of grow from there which is awesome
1: yeah We were also very lucky with the costume. I mean, Ellen, I absolutely adored the costume designer, but one of the the things I loved her for the most was the fact that she hates bonnets and obviously regency period is a very bonnety period which when you're a you know a hairstylist and you make these beautiful creations and you know that a mm. huge bonnet is going to go on and cover the whole thing and so she made these amazing little they were almost like a, a hint you know a nod to a bonnet so it would be like half a brim that came around which again looked quite often looked quite fifties so it just meant you could you could build a hairdo around that. So, that again was just fantastic to have oh, that scope. Awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I know that it is heartbreaking when a hat goes on top
1: of something. And you know, there's that thing that you know it looks good. You know that you yeah. know, there's a reason why the, the combination is great. But sometimes you're like, well, can we not just leave the hat off today? Yeah, it's looking really good. Can we just leave it? Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's awesome. So, I wondered if we can go through some of the characters, and I might just refer to them with their character names instead of cast names, just so myself and others don't get too confused. But how about we start with the Bridgetons themselves? I, I mean, the brunette family, I will, <laughs> I will call them. And am I correct in thinking that in the grand scheme of like that family design, that they're a little more, I don't want to use the word simple, but they're kind of more downplayed than some of the other families yes. that are very...
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the Bridgertons, to me, they were, you know, they were from the very start. The Featheringtons were always sort of described to me as the sort of the Kardashians kind of thing, you know, the new money. Whereas the Bridgertons are, you know, old, old landed gentry, probably related to the royal family, you know. So from the start, in my mind, they should be elegant and simple and Class personified. Whereas mm-hmm. you know them with the Featheringtons, you've got that scope to go outrageous. Mm. So Daphne, Daphne was based on Audrey Hepburn in War and Peace because I looked up images. I I knew I you know I'd, I'd seen that film before and just. Phoebe had that sort of beautiful elfin face and the fabulous eyebrows. So I just instantly thought of Audrey and her hairstyles in War and Peace. And obviously that was made in the 50s, but again, was a Regency-style um, film. So obviously you see the influences of the 50s, but still keeping to the Regency look. So that's that was my inspiration for, for Daphne.
0: Daphne kind of goes through a little bit of a transformation too, doesn't she? With her, with her yes. fringe, like a, a yes. little... What are those called, Those little cute curls that kind of come in on the on the, the two sort of
1: pink curl things.
0: Yeah, do they have a name?
1: Well, I would call them a pink curl, I suppose. But okay. yeah. yeah. It's yeah. such
0: a mm-hmm. such a definite fashion situation isn't
1: it <laughs> it's cute yeah yeah and I think in in the original fittings she started off with I sort of designed her with a much more you know slightly fuller fringe even though it was short it was a fuller fringe but Chris the producer wanted to just sort of start softening her up which is why it then got split to one side and then in the later episodes we introduced more sort of fringe the sort of tip the softer tendrally bits. Yeah. Of hair coming down, just to sort of soften her, you know, to go with the story. Everything with hair and makeup, I, I think, is good to tell a story. So that's why we introduced, yeah, the softer bits there with Daphne.
0: That's awesome. I'm gonna, I'm just guessing here, but was it like a three-quarter wig of sorts? So you're using her own nape
1: area yes i mean it was it was pretty much a full wig and we used to so we literally yes just used to use her nape in the back and we had you know various switches and hair pieces to add and a million hair doors. and in episode three where we have there's the, the scene where she comes down sweeps down the staircase to prince frederick that you know the brief there had always been in the script was you know the fact that she she has to look breathtaking and, mm-hmm. and the whole room gasps as she enters. So that's when I wanted to take her away from the sort of tight little, I mean, simple hairdos, which always look beautiful, but we just wanted to literally change her totally for that, that scene, which is why we did the sort of look of the tumbling curls, which I think worked. I mean, she looked beautiful, sure. absolutely beautiful. She came downstairs, yeah. Yeah.
0: And Eloise, I mean, she was one of my favourites. I have to say, just her character, yes. little <clears throat> feminist in the making. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think people, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know that in um, the Regency period, a lot of people want a, a, a hairstyle that was probably not worn by everyone, but there were. There's lots of evidence in portraits and pictures, the mullet. Was quite a big thing in Regency London, and that's why I had the idea when we were, when I started reading the script because she was such a you know sort of tomboy feminist type, and she you know mm-hmm. who hates the constraints of the corsets and and being made mm-hmm. to get you know glammed up. Yeah. I came up with the idea that she should have this little little mullet sort of hairdo which we would still you know she still had to look pretty i still gave the the grecian influence of the ribbons in her hair yeah, and but but and it, and it also had to be a length that we knew because later on in the uh, the storyline there's the the scenes when her mother makes her go go to the ball and, and look like daphne so we knew that mm. she had to it had to be long enough to, to to still if we added pieces turn her into a little Minnie Daphne but Absolutely. you know but still keep that lovely free mullet for her you know feminist ways so yeah. that was my sort of works on Eloise Louise. Yeah. yeah that's yeah.
0: that's great to hear that because I will say I think it because I haven't studied that period and not knowing that that's amazing to hear because when I first saw her come on screen I was just like whoa that hairstyle is different yeah. to everybody else in the room. But it absolutely yeah. grew on me very quickly, and especially when she had the little ribbons in there and then just seeing her transition later as well. So it's awesome to hear where where that idea came from. That's cool.
1: Yeah. And also it's, you know, when you're working with the actors and you're forming those looks, I came up with that idea in, in – you know, in early prep. And Claudia, who played Eloise, was instantly like, oh my God, I love it. Like, (laughs) you know, I think when you... When an actor still, they're also trying to form their ideas of it, to give them a little something like that. She, mm. she was like, you've made me feel like I'm Eloise instantly. Oh, and then, so of course, great. we had to sort of introduce the idea to the producers, hoping that they would sort of agree with, with our, you know, if, as anything, mm. with any any look, you have to sort of get the okay from, from above. And And they really liked it. So, yeah, and she just loved it. It became yeah. her so she just used yeah, to awesome. sometimes cry at the end of a makeup call but in a good way because she was so <laughs>
0: happy.
1: Harriet, Harriet used to do that too as well
0: oh my goodness <laughs> that's awesome so Lady Violet she always looked elegant and not too showy and yes and, yes. So and again I mean,
1: they wanted her very you know not cur. you know like because in a lot of these sort of this poor old drama the mother would be made sort of quite fussy and, and with lots of curls, whereas they wanted her to still, you know, because the idea was that with all the mo- the mothers in, in this piece, they're still really young mothers, you know, they're not, right. you know, the old grand dame. So they were like, mm. she has to look like a cool, the cool mum. So that's why we kept her really simple and just elegant. And, you know, Ruth has the the best cheekbones in the world. So, you know, that instantly just a little blush and she looks amazing. So Yeah, it's
0: beautiful. And the Bridgerton boys. Now, I am amazed. All brunettes, all handsome looking looking guys. But you managed to give them all individual styles. They all look very different from each other, which is amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, from day one, they always said, you know, that Colin should be slightly more flamboyant. So that's why mm-hmm. he ended up with that fabulous quiff. And, you know, the, with Johnny, the brief, you know, they wanted him to look hot. So hopefully he looked hot. Johnny is Anthony.
0: Yes. Okay, cool.
1: Yes. And and also, I think the the, the thing that helps with that period is men wore rouge. Right. So even though we, we didn't sort of make it, you know, overplay it like you would, I don't know, say with the, the new romantics of the 1980s. Mm. All the boys, I always add, they all had a little bit of rouge and a little bit, tiny little bit of guyliner as well, if we could get it in right. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
0: very cool. So how did you go about styling most of the men's hair in general? I mean, from cast through to crowd room, there seems to be a fair amount of wave and texture and things yeah. like that. so we would,
1: we would generally, we would use a lot of sea salt spray, just okay. to give it texture, so mm-hmm. I would use sea salt spray and mousse, and we would blow dry them, and then and then a tongue, good old tongue, and then most of them had if they hadn't grown their own sideburns, we would then add false sideburns as well because that was a look of the period, and then just dress, dress them out. I mean, most guys makeup calls were sort of thirty to forty minutes, so yeah. And but like you say, we try and, and sort of, even though it was quite a look for that period, as in most times, to, to look the same, it's, you wanna do an, an individual little slant on each one. So, mm. um, and again, with Luke that played Benedict, again, we I wanted him to be a little bit more, because he gets into, you know, he meets the arty crowd. So I wanted him to, to be a little bit more, more arty looking, which I hope we achieved.
0: Yeah, looks great. They're yeah. a good looking bunch of boys. And little Hyacinth. I mean, she was just self explanatory really, wasn't she? She's was just a young cute,
1: Yes. Curly with yeah. some hip headbands and things. Yeah. Yeah. And a beautiful little you know, we we all the first time we all met we were like, Oh my god, this little girl is she's gonna be a stunner in a, you know, a few years time when she's you know, grown you know, grown up. She she was so you know, she looked so cute as as Hyacinth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She was great, too. I loved her character. She was always asking after the prince.
1: Always asking questions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's move on to the Featheringtons, the redhead family. So you explained a little bit about, is it Portia Featherington? Portia.
1: Portia? Oh, Portia. Portia, yeah. Beautiful.
0: Now, was she wearing a wig as well?
1: She was wearing a wig, yes. And again, Adam, who did the Queen's wigs, did Lady Featherington's wigs. And Claire did her makeup. And uh, so, yes, yeah, she had a wig, again, with her. We used to use her own hair, nape in the back. And then Adam made these, like, amazing creations of these beautiful basket weaves. And he made, like, leaves of hair. And he made this... I mean, you've probably seen the pictures on Instagram, this breathtaking butterfly that was made all of hair. So she would always have, yeah, she would always have a little extra piece on top, you know, for for certain occasions, for the, you know, the big occasions. Yeah, she looked, it was, she was great to create. And as I said, you know, we kept the 50s thing going. There was one thing, I would never know whether you should mention these things, but we... There was a thing in the the script at the beginning that Mm. she she has a rash in her hairline. Mm. And at one point we revealed her sort of lifting her hairline and looking at the rash. And of course, you know, with time, you can't always fit every little bit of storyline in. But because she had this rash, she then, whatever happened, you always saw her scratching her head. So which now almost looks like she just had this sort of like nervous tick, but actually it was, we actually created all the this lovely rash in her hairline, which actually never got, in the end, got to be seen, unfortunately. But it just looked like she had this crazy nervous tick that she was always scratching her, her hand.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's awesome that it worked out and people weren't like, what you doing? That it just seemed yeah, like yeah. a
1: natural little... Yeah, I don't think bit. people would would think it. Just she was always no. sort of ruffling hair, but obviously she was scratching the rash that, that wasn't there in the end. But
0: and I would I be right in saying that her makeup was a little more heightened, like her eyebrows were a bit more defined and things.
1: Yes, again, um, just to, to sort of going with the, I mean, she's got amazing eyebrows anyway. Mm. So, okay. um, but to sort of go with the fifties feel as well, it just sort of h- helps to heighten the makeup a little bit. Yes. And also, you know, the mothers always generally had a little bit more makeup. Mm.
0: And then the sisters three who have got Philippa, Prudence and the cutest Penelope ever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, with all the girls, um, with most of the girls in this, you know, that these are, are girls who are playing teenagers, So, and especially with Penelope, because she's only supposed to be 15. So I wanted to make sure that she looked, you know, as girly as possible. Because you know, over the, you know, when it comes to the other, you know, series two or three or whatever, she's obviously going to, you know, turn into a woman. So it's it's nice always keeping a story, making a story with the hair and makeup and just making sure that she looked as sweet and girly as possible. So that's why she was always sort of ringlet-y. And, you know, we gave her, we actually added little freckles just to, you know, mm. make her look really cute. And, you know, and her lovely pale complexion. Whereas the other girls, they were like... Uh, you know, I, we used to call them the ugly sisters. You know, they're not ugly at all because they're two beautiful no. <laughs> girls. But, you know, they that's what you think of when you think of Prudence and Philippa. You know, they're sort of always, you know, teasing each other and, you know, and doing the comedy element. You know, those two girls together are naturally funny when they're off camera anyway. So, yeah. And Philippa actually, actually, again, I looked after Philippa and, and as mm. we... It wasn't really for any reason. It just kind of evolved. But her look, even though, again, it was Regency, it sort of evolved into a slightly 1940s. And we used to use a lot of little flowers in her hair that just, yeah, just worked with her. I think it just worked with her complexion and her look. She just ended up with this slightly 1940s Regency look. I don't know why. It just kind of happened. Yeah.
0: I think it was also beautiful just to see so many redheads on screen. I love a redhead on screen. So that was really yeah. nice. And then the lovely Marina Thompson character, the Featherington's guest. I yes. loved how you kept with the actress's, what's her name? Ruby? Her own Ruby. hair texture, which was. Yes.
1: Yeah, because they, again, they always wanted to, like, the brief with her was always that she should be, she's a country girl. Mm-hmm. She's come from the country, even though, you know, she wasn't, you know, she's not from a poor family. But, but they want, you know, we wanted to make it look like, you know, she, she wasn't there to be, you know, dressed and, you know, teased and made, you know, made to look like the other girls. Mm-hmm. So she would always, yeah, keep that lovely, soft, natural look. And it was great because we, I mean, again, Sort of another little inspiration of mine. Was, I don't know if you've ever seen a. There's a Barbara Streisand film called On a Clear Day You Can See Forever, mm-hmm. and in that film, Barbara has she's she's basically being um, hypnotized to stop smoking, and through the hypnotism, ends up finding all these past lives oh, and yeah. one of her characters one of her characters in there is is from the the regency period she has this amazing hairdo that they did at the time of curls and when i as soon as i saw that silhouette i just thought oh my god that's that's marina so when you see that huge mass of afro curls when she yeah. has that you know that goes back and up that was sort of inspired by barbara in, in this old movie so yeah, oh, I love that. And you know, Ruby Ruby's so naturally pretty as well. You know, we yeah. we, we didn't want to load her down with makeup as well, so she had of soft light makeups.
0: Yeah, she looks absolutely stunning. And now, so there's the blondes, The counselor ladies. Yeah, yeah, mother mm-hmm. and daughter. There mm-hmm. was so the the braids and the bows and the ringlets and I just oh my yeah. goodness, they uh, it was amazing.
1: <laughs> so my so my thing with with Cressida was my thing with Cressida was I likened her to—I don't know if you ever used to watch *Little House on the Prairie* when you were a, a kid. Do you know that series?
0: I do know the series, but I do not believe I watched it. But I—I I do know okay. it is. Yeah.
1: So there was a character in that called Nellie Olsen who was pretty. Her mother always used to, she was blonde and her mother always used to do her hair in ringlets. So she was really pretty and girly and sugary sweet on the outside. But on the inside, she was really horrible and bitchy. And so I just, that was my idea with Cresta was that she would always look so lovely and demure and, you know, lots of flowers and ribbons. That But, you know, inside was this, you know, a horrible person so and and yeah and it kind of again Cressida. i looked after her and i just i kind of just went to town really i didn't i didn't mean you know it just some of her do's just got bigger and bigger but they just they seemed to work for her and you know again she loved everything we did so yeah the, the hair bows and the hair ribbons and then um in episode three there's a scene where they have the ball where Daphne comes down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And by that point, Cressida had obviously set her sights on the prince. And mm-hmm. so I came up with an idea that she would have this hairdo made again of the braided wire. So I, I did everything, a lot of her hairdos, all those basket weaves were, were um, braided with wire and then you Mm -hmm. would sew ribbons through and sew pearls onto them and and i just came up with this idea that because she had her mindset on the fact that she wanted to be his princess that she'd got her mother to get the her hairdresser her maid to to basically make this hairdo that looked like a crown Uh, so that he could see so that he could see what she would look like as his princess Mm -hmm. so that was my little idea with that and then what we always used to try and do again adam used to do adam and claire did lady Crip cowper and Mm -hmm. i would synchronize with them and we would, so we would always try and if, if, if Cressida was going to have bows, then her mother would have bows. If, mm-hmm. if Cressida had flowers, then mum's, so it was almost like that they were constantly plotting, 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 mm-hmm. plotting to, to get them. So they would, you know, almost like be working all day long to, to yeah. achieve their looks for the evening. And of course, it actually, I think mentions in the script that they're actually the wealthiest out of all the families. So even though, so they have the money to do those, those things all the time yeah
0: yeah i mean and both ladies could pull it off so well they just looked stunning yeah.
1: So yeah. That's awesome.
0: and now the woman that we all look forward to gracing our screens because you know that that hairstyle would have been a different creation every time and that's queen charlotte so yeah talk me through some of those incredible looks i mean she she was a little bit more like her lip color was more pronounced and she had the beauty mark and things like that as well with her makeup so yes
1: yeah, yeah. Because, because obviously the Queen was, was from that – you know, at this point in period, the Regency – so basically what happened was you had your sort of 1700s where the big pow- powdered wigs were around. They were the high yeah. fashion. Mm. And then basically the government introduced this thing called the powder tax. So they basically put a tax on powder. Because everyone, used, you would have your wig and you would put the powder on to disguise the smells and, and you know, this, mm. that, and the other. And so, so then all of a sudden, because people went, oh, well, I don't want to pay that, they decided I don't want to wear wigs anymore. So that's why all of a sudden people stopped wearing wigs if you were wealthy right. and mm. the Regency hairdos came along. But you know the Queen is from that older time where people so much you know didn't necessarily ch- want to change with the fashion. So that's why we kept her looking, you know, a few years uh, you know fashion fashion behind. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that's why she has the beauty spots because they would be very common then. And and with with the Queen, when I did my research, obviously from that period, there aren't many portraits of people of African descent in. You know, a, a rich household, or a, you know, with with those those powdered wigs. Even though, actually, Queen Charlotte, when you research her, she was mm. they think of African descent, yeah. but it's never sort of been proven. And you can see in the in the portraits that that she clearly has African features there. And so what I wanted to do was rather than just copy the silhouettes of those wigs of the period, I decided I wanted to introduce her ethnicity into it and have yeah. the, the locks and the afro and the braids and basically just create our look of, of you know, of, of how we think she should have looked. And again, you know, it just makes it more fun. It makes it more exciting. We would work with Golda and, you know, Again, episode three, I came up with the idea of you had, there was the, the look at the time, which was the, the games were look, which instead of, instead of the, the high powdered wigs was a much mm-hmm. wider look. And again, I just thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we made her look like Beyonce in, you know, introduced an element of Beyonce from Austin Powers into it. So that's why we went with that huge afro and it had the sort of golden ends to it, just like Beyonce.
0: Yeah, it was glorious. <laughs> she walked in and I was just like, oh, yes. It just
1: got real. I mean, that it was one of, the, one of those times where you, you sit there and you go, have I gone too far this time? Have I gone too far?
0: Well, I'm sure someone would have told you, no?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's amazing yeah. that you had that, that flexibility and to be able to go to those creative places that's amazing
1: yeah totally yeah no that was we were really lucky and uh, everyone went with it you know we would always show everything to chris beforehand and say you know we're just he'd be like what's the queen got today you know <laughs> what's she gonna look like this week we'd be like well you know
0: the natural afro texture through the hairline on some of some of those yes. work that was kind of yeah 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 <clears throat>
1: Yes. And we, and we actually had at the beginning a wig made, which um, you see in some of the scenes, which was just a natural Afro wig for her sort of almost downtime. So if she wasn't at a function, we would style that into again into a, like a small Gainsborough style. And that was literally just supposed to be her own her own natural hair as opposed to the others, which were very definite wigs.
0: Yeah. And how did you choose the different colours for the wigs?
1: We would basically, at the beginning of each block, we would have meetings with costume and they would have little swatches and designs for what her costume would would be for that for the for each ball at the on that block so then Mm -hmm. we I would go and source through my wigs and just choose a color that we would choose a color that would match the costume and then quite often I mean that amazing white wig at the end which is all the Mm -hmm. locks and the bows and the bird cages Mm -hmm. costume then made because you know I wanted people with with locks will quite often wear Cuffs, little cuffs like with the, the the essay that we spoke about earlier andre and made yeah. in these little gold cuffs and so costume actually made these beautiful jeweled cuffs that matched her necklace and her earrings so that the whole the whole ensemble together would just look amazing
0: yeah it was incredible
1: we were really lucky because you know they cost you know they didn't have that was an Added thing for them to do on top of all the thousands of things they had, but you know, so Sophie, who was running the department at the time, um, was amazing. That she just sort of went, "Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we'll do that. That will look great." So yeah, we were really lucky.
0: Yeah, that teamwork—it's worth it. <clears throat> yeah, goodness, collaboration, so Yeah, much fun. totally. I mean, Golda, the actress, she must have just absolutely loved what you guys were doing. I assume she was. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And quite and quite often, we wouldn't sort of let her see things and until literally it went on her head, especially huh. that white wig at the end. And the, yeah. and even, you know, the big Beyonce one, we would sort of say, we're going to do you an afro, but we wouldn't actually let her see them. So just because uh, she would get really excited. Oh my goodness. And some of them, some of them, she like, there's there's a wig, a black braided wig that she wears in um, the opera box. And that, that wig actually came from an, a, an idea of gold, of gold as herself. One day she said to Adam, she said, you know, I'd love to have, you know, there's, I, I don't, there, there must be a name for them and I should know it, but I don't, the big scarves that the African ladies wear to church. Mm-hmm. Those beautiful, you know, they're sort of layer upon layer of batik. And, and Golda said, she said, I would love to have a, one of the wigs that was sort of shaped like one of those scarves. So yeah. we got drawing and and we actually went on the final thing. We added sort of gold leaf to sort of give definition of where each bit of the scarf would, would be and also to almost give it that sort of bat- batik kind of fabric look to it so you know so she used to get quite involved sometimes in the you know we were would, we would always sort of do, even if we didn't let her see it we would discuss it with her bef- beforehand so she always sort of knew what was coming up but even if she didn't know you know know it by sight.
0: That's very cool. So, do you have any kind of tips and tricks for those that are listening to make sure your cast are comfortable throughout a shooting day when they're wearing, like carrying so much on their heads sometimes? What yeah. kind
1: of. Uh, yeah, I mean, most of the time they should be pretty straightforward and, and you know, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't be a a bad thing to wear. But obviously Mm. the Queen, some of those, there's one wig in particular, which was another with the black braided one, which I don't know if you remember, had this ginormous silver tiara Mm. on. I think she wore it to the wedding, um, the wedding breakfast. And that was the heaviest of, of all the wigs. And we would make sure that whenever she was off camera, if she was going to be off camera for you know half an hour or lunch, we would we we did it in a way that she she'd be able to take the wig off and we would store it on a block on set, and, you know, knowing that that we could just pop it back on when you know when we came on because you know yeah. otherwise you know if you've already wearing a corset and mm-hmm. then you've got this ginormous wig and you're you know that's mm-hmm. constricting your neck. It's not a good thing. And and then so then what we did was we made sure that when we made the white wig at the end, which wasn't quite as tall but could have been equally as heavy, we did it in a way that we made it much more hollow on the inside so that right. it would be it wouldn't weigh so much. So yeah. yeah.
0: And are all her wigs human hair?
1: The only one that was human hair was the, the Afro, the natural Afro one. All the rest were either they were either yak wigs. They were made from yak hair, and which is which is the main component. Whenever you generally make a powdered wig from that period, they're made from yak hair. So the gray the sort of gray, amazing, sweepy one that she wears at the the presentation at the beginning was that was mm. yak hair, okay. and also we used another one, a whiter yak hair. We used that on various times. and all the rest were actually nylon. they were they were fake hair. but okay. you know you get the, the the nylon hair wigs are so amazing these days that you can yeah. you get ones that you can use heat on. Mm. So what we used to do was we would crimp we used really, really tiny crimpers. We would mm. crimp the wig first and then set them on rollers and the crimp stays in. So it gives it that feel that it looks like it's made of yak. So it takes right. away the shine and it gives it that look. And, you know, if you did that, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, your wig would just literally have, have melted in, in front of you. But, they, you know, they're made so yeah. brilliantly these yeah. days that you can, you, can, they can use, you know, take that kind of heat on them. So, yeah. So the, all the rest were, were generally nylon. Yeah, wow. and there were some that we that we, that we bought. That were, actually, there was a couple more that were real hair. I think the, the sort of pink purple one that she wore, wears at the end of episode three was was that was real hair as well.
0: Okay, for for those wigs, I mean, are you just buying those off the shelf, or are you having them made for you?
1: A mixture of there were some we bought off the shelf, and and a lot of them were just in, in most of them were in my general stock. But yes, they, originally oh. they were they were just off the shelf. Yeah yeah,
0: That's amazing And she's always Not always But she has her Her ladies with her A lot of the times too That have kind of Semi-matching
1: hairstyles Don't they? Yes I mean Her entourage Talk about Make a rod for your own back You know Again, that was my idea. The guys in the crowd room, you know, I was like, I just thought it'd be a really good idea that, you know, because she's, you know, bored that she would want her ladies-in-waiting to look the same too. So maybe, yeah. you know, so yeah, and they would be like, oh, what are you doing to us? You know, more work. <laughs> but, you know, they would, they, would kind of, they kind of loved it too. So they, you know, they would always come back. It was so nice doing that this week with, because there's one scene where she has this, generally she had either two or four ladies-in-waiting, but there's that great shot where you've got all six of them, and each one has a dog on their lap, and the queen is mm. in the middle.
0: Is that where they have the darker kind of roots going out to? Yes. Yeah. Lighter. Yeah, that was very stunning.
1: Again, they were shop bought ones that had a darker root, and then what we would do is they they came with a lace front, and we basically took the lace front away and turned them into a hard front, as they would be from that time. So you put, right. you you would basically turn the front under. And we would sew, there was wire in in Galoon, and you would sew that on to create that hard front. And then we had this great guy called Andrew in the crowd room who was, you know, he knots all the time, he's a wig maker, and he would Mm -hmm. basically re knot the fronts. So what it would do is he would use the lighter hair and knot it in front of the darker shade. So you would still get the dark coming through, but it wasn't as dark as it would have been if we'd just used the whole thing. And yeah, Yeah. then it gave that lovely thing that gave you depth, which was probably technically not right, you know, because if you had, if, if they were yuck in the beard they wouldn't have that color but you know it just gave it a little depth and and
0: but they look amazing and it looked good yeah Yeah. (laughs) it it was a it was almost like an illusion it's just like you look at it you look at them and be like i see that depth in there but where is it coming from so yeah it's very cool yeah
1: Yeah. and then and then obviously we would powder them as well because they would be powdered at the time so generally in a movie, when you've got a powdered wig, rather than actually using powder, you always just mm. tend to use uh, dry shampoo okay. because it comes out and instantly whitens the hair. But it's just an easier way of putting it on, and then it just gives you that lovely powdered look at the time.
0: Nice, good trick. I just love. I think it's brilliant how you're able to kind of create looks with a nod to historical, like the period, and on a. Yes heritage and natural textures at the same time, just to be able to throw all of that into the same project is, it was awesome. It was just so much fun to see. I loved
1: it. You could just go totally period and totally normal and totally, and then you just feel like, well, will it just look like every other, you know, costume drama you've seen before, or can we make Mm -hmm. it, you know, because the whole thing about Bridgerton is it's not your average costume drama, you know, it's very saucy and, you know has so many different elements i also loved obviously the way that with the music they took modern Mm. songs and and turned them into a sort of regency version which you know i didn't know they were going to you know they you don't know those things when you're filming it and it just brought so much i think to the to everything you know the costumes the, the the sets the makeup the the actors you know the performances it's just it's brilliant how it all you know melds together at the end
0: yeah, it's really yeah, awesome. So. I saw a meme the other day that was saying to not watch Bridgerton with your family. Uh, yes.
1: <laughs> Don't watch it with your parents. I have I have said that to quite a few friends. I've been like, "Oh, whatever you do, don't watch it with the kids or don't watch yeah. it with your mum. You know, <laughs>
0: Might get a little awkward because it gets a little steamy. <laughs>
1: Especially episode six.
0: I love how you know which episode it is. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. it certainly build up to it and then you're just like, oh, okay, that's turning into this kind of show. Well, this is hilarious. Well, also, because...
1: <laughs> because- when you have things like that with Daphne and Simon, unless you're mm. looking at, you know, because obviously whenever you film those scenes, they have to be a closed set because, yeah. you know, the naked, you know, and so unless you're looking after Daphne or Simon, you're not on set for any of those scenes. So I didn't, I was like, obviously I read the script, but I, I wasn't expecting exactly to see to see exactly what I saw. So I was a bit like, oh, you know, just just like you were, you know, anyone else was at home. I, I literally wasn't expecting yeah. a lot of the shenanigans that went on. So, uh, yeah. I yeah. think
0: that's awesome. Just across the board when you're working on stuff though, if you if there are certain scenes or like chunks of film or TV that you were not present for because you didn't have a Character in those scenes and then when you Actually get to watch it and you're like oh that's What was going on this is cool so you're seeing It for the first time which is Delightful because you can't always Say that like you know
1: And also for me uh, running the department Even if even if I had Characters in a certain scene quite often Because we Mm. our main cast We had over a I think we had something Like 130 main cast So as you're going along You're Mm. constantly fitting new People so I would you know, make up my people. I could have four or five people on set, but I would then have to go back to the bus and either do a fitting with somebody else or I would be making hair pieces for Cressida for the next ball or, you know, so there was always that ongoing thing. And also that that was the same with, with, well, everyone, I mean, everyone had to do it to a certain amount, but with Adam, you know, because... Like I said, you know, we decided at the beginning that she would have a different look every time. There was Mm. always something for him to make. And he would always be cursing me because I'd be like, oh, this one, this one's got, you know, four wigs also. Because, the, you know, I I don't know if I said earlier that the Beyonce wig was five wigs sewn together. And each one. So we bought we bought Afro wigs, but then Mm. straight Adam straightened them out. And then we reset them on kebab sticks, which takes an awful lot of time when you, when you've got yeah. four wigs all to be set and then they're brushed out and then sewn on one on top of each other. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, oh. Adam spent an awful lot of time on the bus cursing me, for, but I knew he loved like each time I would be like, but you do love that look really. You know, people are like, yes, yeah. but I'm not doing one like that again,
0: you know. I, I think it gives you some type of, like, trauma. Like, you need to go to therapy to yes. be like, I really yeah. loved it. And at the time, it, you know, it looked amazing, in yeah. product, and I'm proud, but I never, ever want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's so, so funny how that I mean. can
0: happen. Yeah. Well, you know, someone's got to be a trailer troll and hang out and, you know, get all the stuff done.
1: Yeah. I mean, goodness. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's so amazing. Hey, now I wanted to ask you, did you want to give a shout out to your amazing team?
1: Yes, I would love to. So my amazing, amazing supervisor, Linda, who looked after Daphne mainly. So, you know, she was literally on set all day long with Daphne. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she would have five or six hair hair and makeup changes throughout the day, as well as helping me run the department. So to my fabulous Linda J. Pierce, she always lets me to leave the J in. She was fabulous. To Claire Matthews, Adam James Phillips, Tanya Cooper... Lubinow juniors and trainees Georgia Holly Emily Katie Pierce Katie Finch and then to my crowd and the great, the the fabulous Amy Mansfield was running crowd with Sarah Hillary Wayne and oh sorry Mariana it's awful you don't want to leave anyone out do you Mariana and Olivia and Ava and Amber. So, yes, that was our huge team. But yes, they were all brilliant. And I'm so proud of them all. They just made it look amazing. And I keep telling them so much. So, yeah, I'm really proud of them.
0: Yay. And yeah, a lot to be proud of. I mean, I just, I've been seeing it pop up on social media so much. I'm based in LA and part of the like hair and makeup union over here. And we have like a Facebook uh, group. Uh and there's been a lot of chat on that as well everybody just absolutely loving it so it's it's really nice to see other artists yeah praising praising your work yeah. it's very cool
1: yes it's i feel really charmed actually so yes it was a great job to do
0: that's so cool so yeah. can we look forward to a season 2
1: there is i believe a season 2 i think it's in early production at the moment but yes i think i mean i think the plan is to have eight seasons so wow. because there are eight books and each book each book basically cent- centers around each uh, one of the, the the children so book yeah. 1 was Daphne book 2 is Anthony book 3 is Eloise so so and it's so each one's story comes to highlight in in each book not that I've read them
0: no <laughs> I should I keep <laughs> well, We probably don't need to now I mean they're going to make the TV show no. it's great yeah <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Mark It's just been so much fun chatting with you Oh, likewise Congrats on the success of your show
1: Thank you, thank you, I'm very proud of it.
0: see more about our guests go to our instagram at the last looks podcast or our website thelastlookspodcast.com if you want to keep up with new episodes being released be sure to subscribe through apple podcasts spotify amazon google play youtube or any podcast streaming platform and remember if you're enjoying the show share it the last looks podcast would like to thank brett stanley and sabrina castro the song fun time by dj quads Thanks for listening. Until next time.
1: That's a wrap, people.